Dear Heavenly Father, as we bow before you now, we invite your presence. We pray that you will be with Torben as he brings to us your word, and he, as he brings to us the truth of what is happening in Adventism today. And we pray, Lord, that you will speak through him and that you will impress each one of us of the dangers that lurk around and the way that the devil has come down like a roaring lion, seeing who he may devour. So we pray, Lord, that you will be with each one of us now, help us to be attentive, help us to absorb the truth, and uh, we pray, Lord, that... Uh, your presence will be with us, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. My wife and I are happy to be here. We like to be at Gaisley. We belong to a Seventh-day Adventist church west of Copenhagen, 50 kilometers west of Copenhagen and come there every Sabbath and we enjoy that. We, um, beside of this we are making a Scandinavian issue of our firm foundation magazine. have been doing this for three years and coming out to about 400 addresses in Scandinavia. The subject I've been asked to talk to you about is called Modern Mind Control Techniques and their dangers. My background for this is that I'm in the health business and I have been a teacher in health for several years. The last time, the last period of time I've been preparing some sermons. Actually I'm preparing four lectures, what I've called preparing for Rome or preparing for Jerusalem. You see, we are in the preparing time, but are we being prepared for apostasy or are we be preparing for being among the 144,000? That's the question. That is the question. Which direction is our life taking? And the four different areas is mind manipulation, how minds can be manipulated. And the second is what drama playing really does to the mind. And the third is when we are reframing, are, are reframing the church, we are really giving new frames to a new church. And the last subject is when we are redefining our message, we are really beginning to define a new gospel. I realize that it is the first subject that we are going to talk about today. How our minds may be put into a channel that leads us away from truth. When we are talking about these things, I realize that the subjects could be dealt with focusing on the wrong things, focusing on the depth of apostasy. And that will never lead to any good. Sensationalism will never lead to any good. 
So I could give you a lot of sensationalism, but that wouldn't give you anything good. But on the other side, I could give you some information, and we could try to look at this information from the Word of God, and then we could prepare ourselves not to be led into other channels that we want to. So really what we are going to do is looking at things from the Word of God. And this is our purpose. The questions we are starting with is very serious questions. Can the minds of man be manipulated? Is the free will of, of man a defense for manipulation? How can our way of thinking be channeled without we are making any de decisions? You see, this is what is happening all over society, in the worldly society and in the church society, that we are channeled to be thinking in another way without asking for our permission. You see, God never deals in that way. That is the work of Satan. How can it possible be that one day when the final test come, that also some Adventists will follow Rome? Isn't that strange? Isn't that strange that some Adventism might be the majority Someday will follow Rome. We are told that it will happen, and we are told that the great plan of the master deceiver is to turn God's people away from sound doctrine and follow the mark of the beast. To do this, he has to found some methods so that he can channel you away from truth. This is what I mean by manipulating. Manipulating is to do something with your mind without asking for your permission. And how can this be done? Let me read to you a statement from a letter from 1903, page 159. Not to have all the books with me, I have just made a copy of the statements. In this letter it says, Satan tempted the first Adam in Eden, and Adam reasoned with the enemy, thus giving him advantage. Satan exercised his power of hypnotism over Adam and Eve, and this power bestrode to exercise over Christ, but after the word of scripture was quoted, Satan knew that he had no chance of triumphing. So what would you just read? That Satan used hypnotism. When you're reading Genesis, are you thinking of hypnotism? It was really hypnotizing Adam and Eve. How could that happen? That is the question. Look, God is never using this kind of methods. When God comes, he calls us. And then he asks you to follow him.
Satan doesn't ask. Satan trick you to follow him. That's the big difference. Let me read you another statement from Manuscript 18998, 18, 9, 9, page 121. And the manuscript is following. Your part is to put your will on the side of Christ. When you yield your will to him, he immediately takes possession of you and works in your will to do of his good pleasure. Your nature is brought under the control of his spirit. Even your thoughts are subject to him. So your part is to use your will. One of the great speakers today in our church is denying the use of the will. God always use your will to make decisions. But in more in modern mind manipulation, the will is denied. The art of manipulation is to get out beside the will, to get into your mind without your will knowing it. That's the art. So the man who is able to get you to a decision without asking you, he is a big artist. But that is contrary to what Christ is doing. What a God we serve. What a God we serve that he always is asking us. He says in James, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. But he asks us to draw near. That's the question. For this course, Paul was willing to bow his knees. For this course. So it was shocking to Paul one day to get to know what happened in the church of Galatia. Let's turn to the Bible. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. And I'm sure you know the quotation. Anyone can quote it? That's it. Foolish and bewitched. You know what the Bible commentary tells us? The Bible tale gives a, what I think is really a wonderful description and a commentary on this verse. Let me read it to you. They had been grossly misled Paul now writes to them in the hope that they will see their inconsistency and turn away from evident error into which they have fallen. They must have been subjected to some influences beside reason, for reason would condemn such a course. Their choice cannot have been the result of sober judgment based on facts. What is the comment? that they had done something out of reason. It was unlogical. It was in inconsistency. What does that mean? Anybody can say another word for inconsistency? Yeah, other things? 
Abnormal. Incorrect. It yes, irrational. That's a good word. Have you ever been thinking of that what you hear can be irrational? Unlogical? The consequence of what is being said is just nonsense. That is what they have been said. And even though they had gone on the they have begun believing in it. Can the same happen today? Can it happen to us that we can be so foolish? So foolish to believe in something that is irrational, that is unlogical, that is without any logical consequences. The new theology is full of that. If you go into the consequences of what really is being said, it is nonsense. It is not just not true, but it's nonsense. And that was hap what happened in Galatia. Now let me read to you another statement from a letter called Letter 20, 123. Be cautious in regard to what you read and what you hear. Take not a particle of interest in spiritualistic theories. What is spiritualistic theories? Do you know what is quoted in Great Controversy? Page 478 in the chapter 36 in Pending Conflict. There is a very, very serious quotation there. And I'll just take it shortly. They will think it is proof superior talent and learning to cavil at scriptures and spiritualize and explain away the most important truth. Here's two things mentioned. To cavil, C-A-V-A-L, what does that mean? Yes, what does that mean? Argue other things? Some, uh, be a little critic? Antagonistic? That's the one thing. The next thing is mentioned to spiritualize. You say cavil? You know what cavil leads to? Cavil leads to put in front your own opinion. Cavil leads to making a new definition. Today, the, some in the Seventh Adventist Church have written books on new definitions. They re-examine things that already has been re-examined. They take the 1888 message and re-examine it and read new things into it. What they actually are doing is reading their own mind into it. They are cavalled. They cavil this, what, is t what the text is about. They are a little critic on, they don't believe the right thing, so they make another definition. We should be very careful, and that's my first point today. That's the first point, how to get into 
to be manipulated. The first point is to start to make our own definitions of what truth is. I'm not conservative. Actually, I think that God still wants us to say things in new terms. But there is something that we cannot change, and that is a definition. I can try to explain in my words what that definition means to me, but don't never try to make a new definition. We could talk a lot about this. We could take a lot of examples. Sin is defined in God's word as breaking the law. Now you might explain what that means to break the law, and that's okay. But don't start saying, sin is not to believe, or sin is this and sin is that. Don't do that. You must take what already has been defined. And there's a lot of things like that. In first volume Selected Messages, page 204, it is said that the truth that we have had for 50 years, said in year 90, is stable. God has taken the right to define our faith. And the human mind cannot take that right. All our faith, all our pillars of faith, have been founded through inspiration. And God has given what is been, has been said. And none of us are clever enough to define it other ways. We might try to explain it, but don't redefine it. So redefinition is a big danger that Ellen D. White is telling us not to do. To cavil on God's word results in new definitions and in the same pages, the same reference, it says it results in a new religion. Definitions is very important for our religion because a definition has some consequences. Now there is other ways of changing our belief and the next thing that was mentioned here was to spiritualize. What does it mean to spiritualize? <laughs> to spiritualize a thing. What does it mean to spiritualize what heaven is? That is to say that it is Disneyland. It is not true, it is not reality. To spiritualize is to say something but don't mean it in reality. And we have lots of that. We have lots of that. Lots of us are saying that there is a sanctuary. But if you ask where the sanctuary is, 
and what the borders of the sanctuary is, there's none. And the answer will be, it is cosmic. It is cosmic. This is nonsense. Spiritualizing is to take the reality out of the gospel. Churches for centuries have done this. What is the state of the dead? The, de the dead? They are in the ground. In reality. To spiritualize that would be to say, well, part of it is in heaven and part of it is here. But that's nonsense. How could it be? It is nonsense. But some, sometimes it is fascinating to us. But be careful. God is a real God. God is a personal God. Christ is a personal figure. A personal man. Christ is not a cosmic God. Sin is not a substance. Sin is something you can handle with. That's an act. Everything what is in, in, in God's gospel is real. When God promises us to, to keep us from sinning, it means to keep us from sinning. It is not just a spiritualizing thing. When God says, I want to live in you, it means that he puts his Holy Ghost in you. It doesn't mean that you are in Christ as a spiritual thing. Remember and try to figure out things of God is real. And because it is real, I like that gospel. It is because it is a real gospel that the gospel has something for me. Tell me, what can you use a gospel that is only spiritualizing truth? What can you use it for? Nothing. It's just entertainment. It's just entertainment. There's no reality in it. And you can live in that lie, but it's still a lie. Don't make the gospel to a lie. Keep it real. real. And the only real gospel is that God is the author and he is the finisher. God takes your sins and he keeps you from sinning. If God just took, you, took your sins and then he left you in sin, what a God was that? Nonsense. It was nonsense. Correct? It was nonsense. So, the next thing we come to, having said that, beware of not to make new definitions. Beware of not to spiritualize things that are real. The next thing is, be aware of reframing. 
Do you know what I mean by reframing? Do you know that we have a lot of frames around our work? A frame is something that in are describing what the word means. Let me take an example, just a new example from this magazine. Today, modern, modern marketing, modern announcement methods are using a lot of reframing methods. For instance, they can take a soap and they want to sell you a soap. But actually, this soap is not very attractive to you. So they put the soap together with a lot of attractive things and put an attractive frame around the soap and you buy it. Well, if they come and tell you directly what the soap was and gave you the facts of the soap, you would never have bought it. But because of the new frame, you buy it. That's exactly what is happening here. That exactly is what is happening here. Remember we read that the Galatians was bewitched because they, were, they put the facts aside. We are looking for facts, friends. We're looking for facts and not the frames. In these days, somebody, and you guess who it is, somebody wants to change our sermons into a celebration sermons. And we have been talking a lot about that. But how can you sell a celebration format to a people who really don't want it. They can come to want it. But if you ten years ago asked the church, do you want to celebrate the Germans? All would have said no. We want the spirit. Today they want it because they have seen it. They have, be they have begun to see the new frame. How has that happened? That has happened because of a really clever marketing. In America, I found this magazine for children. It was called Celebration. It might be just a funny name, but it isn't. The whole format is put into this. And if you say the word celebration and put the word celebration in front of everything, then someday it is not the celebration that is what you look at, but the, the surname has got another content. Let me give you an example for this. I don't know this this magazine. I just saw it. It's the first time I read it, so I don't know where, what it is and what really is content. But the content in interests me, so I'm not hanging anything out. I don't really. I don't know what it is. 
Is the church new faithful? Well, sorry. But here, there is an advertisement on the back. And if I, from my background, look at that, it is a promotion for channeling your minds into a new set. Several times during this advertisement, the word celebration is put in front of another word. For instance, it says, a celebration Sabbath at that and that church. Let me ask you, when did the Sabbath become a celebration? Now, if you year after year have heard this word, you start to connect two things in your mind without, without deciding it. It is just a connection that is made in your mind. That Sabbath is connected with celebration. That means that Sabbath is celebration. And that is directly opposite to what Brother Kang told us this morning, that Sabbath was holiness. Now you can connect different things and get different meanings out of this. This is what it means to make new frames. And I could give you lots of examples of this. If you put a new frame about a thing, the thing's content changes. But what we really are dealing with here is your mind. We are really dealing with the Seventh-day Adventists' minds. So somebody are trying to put into the minds of our people that Sabbath is celebration. And that leads to some consequences. That was never said to them. So actually what has happened is you have been decided, made a decision without knowing it. And that is hypnotizing. That is manipulating minds of people. And television is good to manipulate. But man, what happened? when we in churches began to use that technique. This is the technique of Satan. This really is. It is the technique of Satan. Reframing and disqueezing is other ways to manipulate the mind of people. This is used a great deal in marketing products. Reframing means to put a known thing into a new frame and gradually the known thing changes meaning in relation to the new frame. There's a lot of examples of this in the churches today. You can think of mission work. You can think, think of Sabbath school work. You can think of school work. A lot of things. Disqueezing. Now, what is disqueezing? Discards? Disguising. Okay, that's my English. Disguising. What's that? False covering. False covering. 
Disguising, that's the name. Do we use that? Do we use that? Are we disguising the gospel? How do we do it? Disguising is used to make things more attractive so that people do not recognize the real thing. Disguising is to put a mask on, to hide what the real thing is. The problem is if the real thing never is discovered. Disguising is used to make a thing popular. Because we don't think the real thing will, will, be, will be good to them. So we make a mask instead. Disguising could be used in music. It could be used in drama playing. In all kind of theatrical performances. And there might be room for making things attractive. But if the gospel should be attractive... It should not be by putting it into another cloth. It is the gospel that should be dis- dis- uh, attractive. I talked to some girls in Holland concerning drama playing. And I got a lot of interesting answers. One of the things I asked for was, and they were honest, and praise God for they were honest. I asked them, does drama playing lead you to a sanctified life? No, they said. But we like it. We like it. So, if you put a mask on the gospel, is it the mask you like, or is it the gospel you like? This is serious, because you can put another cloth on you so long that yourself is hide. You remember, you know about how clothing can change persons. But clothing can also change gospels. Have you ever thought about why Christ looked like common man? Couldn't he be clothed like an angel? Wouldn't that have been wonderful? Wouldn't that have been more attractive? Christ decided not to let the mask be the thing that should attract people. Because he knew that if the mask attract them, it would never be the gospel. So if they were converted, they really were converted to the mask and not to the gospel.
So, manipulating the mind, trying to change the gospel, can be done by changing how we present the gospel. And we can use this by using masks, by using the principle of disguising. Was it so? Okay. Well, let me read to you a statement from first volume of the Testimonies, page 294. Satan failed in his temptations into Christ in the wilderness. The plan of salvation has been carried out. The dear price has been paid for man's redemption. And now, and here it comes, and now Satan seeks to tear away the foundation of the Christian hope and turn the minds of men into such a channel that they may not be benefited. Is that correct? Or saved by the great sacrifice offered. Did you get that? That you, my, your mind can be channeled into such a way that Christ's offer don't give you any benefit. Wouldn't that be a shame? That really all the promises of God will not work any longer on you because your minds are channeled into another channel. If you want to take a program on TV, you must have the right program on or you won't get anything in it. And that's what this is happening about. Therefore, somebody have been using an a name, a head, a headline on this, calling this NLP. NLP means No Linguistic Programming. So actually, NLP means how to program the mind linguistic. Linguistic means how you are talking. But what I have been doing now is widening this aspect up to you, saying that NLP doesn't deal about preaching methods only. NLP really should be just NP, neural programming. How you can program your nerve system to think in another way, because there's lots of other ways to program minds than during the speech. I know that several American pastors are trained on courses to present better speeches by direct NLP teaching. I don't think really this method has come very much into Europe. Part of it has. I know part of it is taught at Newborn, but it's only part of it. Therefore, it is it is not right to say that NLP is used totally at new ball. It's not correct.
But there's part of it. No, what I've been saying is that the other part of NP, of how to program, it is to danger much, much more dangerous. Because by reading magazines like that, what I showed you before, and other magazines, I can show you magazine after magazine, Danish, Dutch, English now, Swedish, Norwegian, how they are in the magazines turning your minds upside down without saying a word. I don't think this is done in an evil spirit. I really don't think so. I think it is done with the best motives. And I don't think people always know what they're doing. And I don't think they see the consequences. So what our job is to tell them the consequences and try to get them back. There are a lot of people that are misled today without knowing it. That is what I'm talking about. We really are being misled, every one of us, without knowing it, if we don't keep to the Word of God. Now let me conclude in a short statement on NLP, how the preaching can be programming things. And then let, let me take a statement from Eight Testimonies 294. been easier with the book I see. Here it is. 8T294, written 904. Satan, satanic agencies are clothing false theories in attractive garb, even as Satan in the Garden of Eden concealed his identity from our first parents by speaking through the serpent. These agencies are instilling into human minds that which in reality are deadly error. The hypnotic influences of Satan will rest upon those who turn from the plain word of God to pleasing fables. Now, notice please this time also that Ellen D. White is clear on this. She calls it hypnotic. She calls it hypnotic. There's no, there's no doubt about that. But what is what is also worth to notice is that she is talking about pleasing fables. <clears throat> no linguistic programming use different kinds of techniques. You might have noticed some pastors been speaking and they never start telling you what they want to speak about. Don't listen to anything 
if they don't tell you what they speak about. That's the principle. Ask for the subject before you start listening. Isn't that isn't that fair? Isn't it fair to ask what they want to talk about? Now let me tell you what can happen and what happenings. If you tell a fable or if you some, what sometimes happens and I'm not here just talking about the Adventist church. The Adventist church is a lamb in this situation. They are only on the beginning state. Don't think the Adventist church is very, worse on this, uh, very bad on this. No, 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 no. Go to the other church and you'll see what really is going on. We are just babes on this area. We don't have time to go in, into what's happening in the other churches. But tell it, imagine that a pastor starts telling you a fable. A story. Not for children, but for you. And afterwards he asks you to close your eyes and imagine. Now close your eyes, don't do it. <laughs> and then imagine the cross. And that is, what a nice thing to sit and imagine the cross. But if the pastor then starts talking and telling you of what you are imagining, you are really under another mind's control. Because all the time he's using a fable, he's using an imagination, he's using a talking technique. What is happening in your mind? A picture starts being painted. And what a picture! It is exactly the picture that you have been taught. And when this has gone on for a few minutes, or a few hours or so, if it's a seminar, then they might ask you some questions. Now, on which, on which background do you answer those questions? On the background, you just have been pictured. So actually, what is happening is you have been programmed to get the right action, the right answers. Just now, I don't remember that pastor's name. That might be a blessing. But anyway, I heard this expression on the tape. When I'm teaching, the pastor said, when I'm teaching, I like to put the people's mind into a certain situation, a certain environment. I never ask them questions. I just put them into the environment. I never go to the point to ask for a decision. I just put them into an environment. And I keep on doing this 
And then at the end, I asked them, now, what is your response to this? Now let me ask you, is that a fair question? What is your response to that? In reality, it's his. You see, this is a big thing if you really want to be a successful evangelist. If you really want to win people, you should use this method. Because a principle, a big principle in LNP is do never bring people to a point of decision. Because whenever you ask people for choosing, there's 50% chance that they choose wrong. And don't take that chance. No, you have to steer away from all those decisions and lead them where you want them to be. And then we conclude together. And then you will see a wonderful agreement. This is not the Holy Spirit's working. This is the working of Satan. And this will result in bringing people into the churches that are not converted, that are believing the pastor's gospel and not their own. And even if the pastor's gospel was right, it is not the right method to use because we always lead people to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now I hope that I've given you some idea of what NLP is and a bigger, a bigger view on this. Now let me conclude. saying that faith is simple in its operation but it is marvelous in its results that the gospel is simple, simple and we have to keep that simplicity and the god is god the gospel is real and we don't need our own ideas in defining it. We don't need new frames on it. We don't need all those stuff of trying to, cl to clothe it in masks because the gospel is so plain that a child can understand it. And by programming people you might do a marvelous work, but God doesn't count numbers. God doesn't go for quantity. Does God goes for quality. If just one soul can be found, if just one soul can be led, that is marvelous. So what I'm saying is, be aware, don't listen 
through everything. Don't listen to everything. There is a very, very big restriction on you. We are not allowed to listen to air. The only reason to listen to air is if you want to help the man who is teaching air. And with what is going on in modern techniques, it is correct what we read in the statement, it might be dangerous to hear and to listen and to read things that are not correct. It might be from independent ministries, it might be for official ministries, wherever it might be. The first commandment is that I am the only God and I want you to be under me. And I have given you my scriptures and I have given you the Holy Spirit and you as a person can be able to be kept from falling. Also being kept from falling into error. And whenever you have, have experienced that what you are listening to and what you are, you are reading is wrong, then God has put into your mind that this should be carefully. And you are not allowed just to sit and listen. There is no room for neutrality in this world at the moment. There's no room for it. A neutral, a neutral person will be an other person. It is time for making a decision where to stand and it is time to keep that. It is time to be aware in every way and everywhere. And if a person has been seen on as a false teacher, then you must have evidence that he has gone back again before you listen to him. And I'm talking of both sides of the ministry. Don't believe that everything from the church is correct. Don't believe that everything from the independent ministers is correct. God is your God. And he wants you to listen to him and not to be programmed by anyone else. Amen. If anyone wants to see material on this, I could show you plenty of, of material on it. This is a material on worship, uh, worship celebration techniques. This is a theory of preaching techniques. This is another church um, uh, paper on evangelistic methods. What has been interesting for me is 
that this is written by the state church. But the evangelistic method is exactly the same as what I read in the review. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering where we go to. <laughs>